Good morning. It's uh, good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. Uh, Brother Daniel did a wonderful job in his reading. I didn't coordinate with him at all, but it almost fits very well with the lesson this morning. And his reading of uh, Second Epistle of John. Uh, this morning, I want us to turn to First John chapter 2. We're going to start in the 15th verse and read to the 17th verse. And that's where our lesson is going to, uh, going to be coming from. And yes, I remembered to hit record this morning. I got kind of rebuked on last Sunday morning. I forgot, my, I forgot to record. So this morning we are recording. Again, this morning, First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 15. Do not love the world or let the thing or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in it. We need to take notice of this verse. We need to take notice of the idea of loving the Father and loving the world. If we're loving the world, the love of the Father is not in it. We're going to cover that in the next few minutes. But as we read on, take notice of this. Loving the world and loving the Father are contrary to one another. We understand that we have to love God. And if, as we are loving the world, the things of the world, that being the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life, all three classifications of sin that we involve ourselves with, we are not loving God but loving the world. So whenever the Satan tempts us and... and overcomes us as he does often when we sin and fall short, turn away from those things so as we can love God and not the world. For as we know that the ways of the world and the things of the world are going to perish one day. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father but of the world. There you go. All three classifications of the way we sin. All three. Christ gave us an example. A wonderful example of how to com combat this or fight the devil, if you will. And all his wiles, his fiery darts, his temptations for us. Folks, lean upon God. Use his scriptures in accordance with his, with his will, with his word, and we are able to fight the devil. We're able to cast him off. We're able to tell him to get behind me, away from him. Send him to the east and send him to the west because he's going to come back. In doing so, keep sending him away. Tell him you want nothing to do with him. Because we want to be of the Father, not of the world. And verse 17, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, we covered verse 15 in the first part of it. We're going to go do it one more time. But as we do that, turn with me, keep your finger there in 1 John chapter 2. Turn over with me, oh, wrong bookmark, got to go deeper, to John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. That's John chapter 15 and verse 9. So as we understand we have to love God, not loving the world and the things of the world, Christ gives us an, an, an explicit instructions on how to love God. Just as he loved his Father, we should also love him and his Father. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Which spurs the question, do you love God? Do you love Jesus? That is a wonderful question we need to ask ourselves daily. Because as we read and put this in conjunction and put it with and add it with 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, who, real, who are we really loving? Is it God or is it the world? Our actions, we can say it all day long. Of course I love God. I love, of course I love Christ. But my actions are maybe speaking otherwise. Stop doing those things that are showing that you don't love God but love the world. Stop doing those things. 
begin to love God and to continue to love God. As we, are read, as we read about explicitly in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 that we read in class this morning. So now when we read again in John chapter 15 and verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So you may say that you love Christ. You may say that you, of course, love Christ. He loved me first. I might as well love Him. Are you keeping His commandments? Like I said, you can say that you love Christ, but if you're not keeping His commandments, you are not loving Christ. He says the only way that we can love Him is if we keep His commandments, period. Not deviating, not picking and choosing. He says, my commandments. He doesn't leave any of them out, does he? He infers all of them. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Folks, there's our example. You might say, well, he doesn't say this and he doesn't say that and he, he doesn't say obey your parents. He doesn't say don't lie. No, no, he does. In a matter of speaking, he does. It's inferred or included. Whenever he says just, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, just like Christ, that term Christian comes to mind. The term Christians means Christ-like. To behave like Christ behaved. To speak as Christ spoke. To live as Christ lived in human form. Now, I know he's, I know he's still living. I know he's at the right hand of God. I know this where he is. The scriptures have revealed that to me. But know this, we are still here. He left his heavenly father to come to this earth to put on human form to give us our example. The first part of it. To put to death sin in the flesh. He condemned it. And also to shed his blood upon that cross. We're going to get to that part. Time willing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So my question to you again, are you loving Christ? Do you perform all of Christ's commands? You know how hard that is? It's difficult, is it not? I'll give you one example. Loving your enemy. Those who do harm to you. Those who speak evil against you. Those who are out there spreading rumors about you and so forth. How difficult is it to pray for that individual? How difficult is it to love that person who's doing harm to you? Christ tells us to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to feed our enemies when they're hungry, to clothe our enemies when they're naked, and to give them drink when they are thirsty. How difficult is that? For vengeance does not belong to us as disciples, but it belongs to God. Does it not? It does. That's just one example. There are so many commands that Christ has given us to love one another. To love one another just as himself loved us. To keep his commandments is difficult. Folks, we do realize that straight and narrow path that we are supposed to be in that word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, that I say so many times, is difficult. It's not like an arrow. It's difficult. That pathway leads to everlasting life. And that's what God promises for us. 
if we keep Christ's commandments. And in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. The word may. You know the word may in, includes a decision. And that's on our parts as disciples. We have an option to be obedient to God. It's not implied. It's not going to be, well, here's the blood of Christ. You've got it on until, all, until you die. That's not what the scriptures tell us. We can fall away. We can have that sacrifice for our sins removed. If you don't believe me there, go read Hebrews 10 and verse 26. That was wrote to Christians. This again is wrote to Christians as well. That my joy, that my joy may remain in you. So if it may remain in you, it may infer that it has an option to leave. It does. Folks, when we sin and when we fall short, we become separated from God. We need that reconnection through our repentance. For God hates that sin. Keep in mind whenever Paul uses that example in Romans chapter 7, he says he hates it because that separation happens. He hates it when he sins. For his will and his mind and his heart is to not to sin, but when he does, he hates it. And that's in Romans chapter 7. This is Paul. The apostle Paul wrote a great deal of the New Testament. Christ wants his joy to remain in us. He wants us to not sin. He prays for all disciples. Do you remember that prayer? He prays for them to abstain from fleshly lusts, to abstain from the Satan, to stay away from him, to stay faithful unto his Father so they can have salvation on that great day, that being judgment day. And that your joy may be full. So as Christ's joy remains in us, our joy will be full on judgment day. Imagine this. You know what the word full means, right? Imagine a cup and you're filling it up with water. Well, I'll use my example I did yesterday. I was filling up the jug for our trip. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Melissa is allergic to the sulfur water in Mississippi, so we have to take our water down there for to shower. So I'm filling those jugs up, right? And I don't stop until it's coming out the top because she needs every drop. And that's full, right? It ain't going to hold no more. Those jugs are full. That's the way Christ wants our hearts to be with him. No room for anything else. Oh, there you go. No room for anything else. So if our hearts are full of Christ... There's no room for the world. There's no room for Satan. So let's make sure we keep it that way. Because when we sin and fall short, guess what leaves? That absentee, that void, that love of Christ is no longer in us because we are not keeping His commandments. So let's keep His commandments. So our joy may be, so His joy may be in us. And on judgment day, our cup runneth over of Christ. There's no more room for anything else. On judgment day, standing before God, hearing this wonderful thing, imagine how happy you would be. Well done, good and faithful servant. For you've been a master of a few things, I'm going to make you a master of many. Folks, that's judgment day. That's what a child of God is going to hear. That's what he promises for us. Isn't that warm and inviting? To know that the, the creator of everything, our living God, has reserved a place for those who are faithful. Again, the word may is there. The, the word may is there. It's a choice on our part. Standing before God, hearing, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, should be no surprise to someone who is not being obedient to Christ. It should be a no-brainer. 
should, but unfortunately, like I said previously, there's misdirection, miscommunication, and misteachings happening. Just like Daniel wrote, uh, read in Second John this morning. Stay away from them. So you can't hear those false teachings. They will be revealed on that day. So now, we continue on reading in verse 12. This is my commandment. Folks, this is for Christians. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Did Christ love the world? <clears throat> he did not love the world. He loved his Father. He loved his fellow brothers and sisters in him to come. And he loved his disciples. He loved his apostles. He loves you. Folks, we do realize this, that he loves those who are spinning in his eye today. He loved them enough to go to the cross for them as well. We do realize whenever, whenever Christ died upon that cross, we were sinners. For Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the sinners. He died for the lost. He died for all. And how much love should we have for one another? If Christ has that much love for you, for me, and those spitting in his eye today, counting his blood a common thing, trampling his name underfoot, how much should we love one another? We have an example on how to love one another by Christ's examples. By lifting one another up, encouraging one another, having compassion for one another. In verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Do you remember what Christ said to his disciples? He says, I'll no longer call you servants. I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. He calls you friends if you know what he's doing, if you know what he has done and what he's doing unto this day. He calls you friend. He laid down his life for us, or we lay down our life for his. You ever considered that thought? We have a passage of scripture I hope we get to read this morning because I'm fast running out of time. I'm only on got on verse the first verse. Have we laid down our life for Christ? Are we that living sacrifice that we read about in Romans chapter 12? I seriously hope so. Because as we lose our life, we're going to gain it on judgment day. That being the ways of the world, we cast it out of our ways. We don't think about it. We don't even consider it. It's no longer parts of us. Because as we let it in, as we let it become parts of us, we may be doomed <coughs> until we repent, until we turn away. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Do you love Christ? And are you his friend? Can we say yes? I can say yes all day long. I can say, well, yes, I love Christ. And yes, I'm his friend. Let's put that into perspective. How do you know that someone is a good friend? Through hard times, they're still there. Through difficult instances, they're still there. If you're stuck 300 miles away and your car dies and you call them, are they going to show up? That's a good friend, is it not? That's a real good friend. Hopefully we don't have to make that call this next week. <laughs> Jesus Christ, whenever you call for him, guess what? He's there. 
He's there. But you can't pick up your cell phone and dial his number. That's not what he's talking about making that call. We're going to sing a song before the, before the invitation. Who at my door is standing? What a wonderful song. What a wonderful song to ask ourselves. Are we going to be standing at Christ's door? Or are we going to be knocking at the other side? Saying, open unto me. He says, I don't know who you are. You're not my friend. So how do you call Christ? By keeping his commandments. By being obedient to his word. And all of it, not just picking and choosing parts of it. And in verse 15, this thought of no longer calling you servants. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and hear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask, Father, in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Words of encouragement from our Lord and Savior. He calls us friends if we keep his commandments. And he commands us to love one another. Like I said, that's just the first verse, right? I'm going to run out of time real fast. Like Back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Not loving the world, but loving God. Christ gave us examples of that. For as we love God, love Christ, we're keeping Christ's commands. We are abstaining from Satan. As we're going to, oh, I'm running out of time, y'all. As, as you and I have been commanded to abstain from him, he's that roaring lion. But love the Father, not the world. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not the Father, but is of the world. If you was to remember a verse and highlight it, that verse would be it. This classifications of sin. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. Christ, whenever he was speaking to his disciples, time and time again, he says, I am my Father. I'm doing of my Father's business. Can we say that about ourselves? As we can, as we're out there trying our very best to be obedient to his word. Now, by no means, do get me, don't get me wrong to say that we're perfect. We are not. We are fallible, we mess up, we make mistakes. Thankfully, we have an opportunity to turn away from those mistakes and to get forgiveness of those mistakes. Because as a child of God, we get that access to his blood of Christ in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and also verse 9. Confessing our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. Folks, these three classifications of sin that we partake in is not of the Father, it's of the world. We know we can't love these things. We can't love the things of the world because as verse 17 tells us, those things are passing away. They're going to be gone one day. So when we think about 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we think about the devil. We think about who he is and, and remember what he is and what he is about. We need to take notice of that. As we read this, take it into your heart. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... Oh, wait a minute, it says your adversary. Huh. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the very next verse, 
First two words, resist him. Now stop there. Resist him. So how do we resist the devil? How are we going to tell Satan we want nothing to do with him? By knowing who he is, how he works, and what becomes of us when we follow him. Know that that sad, sinful state that we become when we partake of Satan. When we walk hand in hand with him, unfortunately, children of God do the very same thing. We have an opportunity to turn away from him. We have an opportunity to resist him. The rest of verse 9, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We're not alone. We're not alone in this fight because he is our adversary. He needs to be our adversary. Remember Christ and his speakings to those Jewish... They weren't Jewish Christians. They were Jewish people. Whenever he told them, who's your father? Remember that passage of scripture? I book, chapter, and verse just escaped me. But he says, who is your father? He said, of course, Abraham's our father. He said, no, Abraham's not your father because if you were Abraham's were your father, you would be doing the works of Abraham. I said, no, of course, we're not. We're not born out of uh, fornication. God is our father. Well, okay, if you were born of God, you'd be doing the works of God. Let me tell you who your, God, who your father is. The father, your father is the devil. Uh, what? Your father is the devil because you're not doing the works of God. You have not resisted him. You have partaken him with that thought. Turn, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and our, our page turnings is going to be on. Colossians chapter 3. Our first thing we're going to read is verse 6. And then we're going to imagine this, we're going to back up all the way to verse 1. But first we're going to read verse 6. I know it's odd to read the Bible like that, but take notice of this and what verse 6 says. To know that we have to resist the devil, we have to tell him nothing to do, but unfortunately when we start loving the world, we become in that sad, sinful state like verse 6 says. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Not the sons of God, not the daughters of God, the sons and daughters of disobedience. Whoa. The wrath of God, we have had a biblical perfect example of the wrath of God the flood in Noah's day Sodom and Gomorrah that's three wonderful examples of God's wrath now ask yourself would you like to be in Sodom and Gomorrah when God rained that fire down and destroyed that city utterly destroyed it's destroyed unto this day would you want to be there mm -mm, of course not the wrath of God, because of these things that we're going to read, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So what's a son of disobedience? Those lovers of the world don't love the world. Do not love the world. Make sure we're loving God. Again, wrote to Christians, you and I as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, since we're raised with Christ, we're a new person, a new Christian, walking that new straight and narrow pathway that leads to everlasting life. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the 
earth. Therefore, on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then, of course, verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So why? Why should we turn away from sin? Why should we turn away from Satan? One, he should and needs to be our adversary. We won't have nothing to do with him. We're in a constant fight with him. We're in a constant battle with him, using scriptures to combat him. And also to know that standing before God on Judgment Day, we should expect wrath if we're involved in sin. If we're not in a covenant relationship with him through his son, we're in Christ through baptism, having their sins washed away, goes right back hand in hand to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. <coughs> Let's make sure we have the blood of Christ washing those sins away. For he died for you. He died for those who don't even care about him this morning. To have an opportunity to change, to have that wake-up call, if you will. The gospel is calling. This was just a small lesson. This was a small, almost a 30-minute lesson to hopefully give you a wake-up call. If you are loving the world and not God, stop and start loving God. Keeping Christ's commandments, having nothing to do with the devil because he needs to be your adversary. He's been described as that roaring lion in 1 Peter. A roaring lion! How many of us want to have relations with a roaring lion? He's going to, he wants to devour you. We're going to stay away from him. So let's make sure we understand that the wrath of God comes upon that judgment day where you will hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, and going to spend the rest of your eternal life in pain and suffering. Right the opposite of that. Now here's the positive note. We don't have to expect the wrath of God on judgment day. We don't have to. All we got to do is follow Christ and his examples. I say that all we have to do. It's a difficult walk. It's a difficult task. But it's encouraging to know that our difficult walk that we do upon this earth is worth being in a home with God for eternity. Where there's no pain, no suffering, no death, no sickness, no illness, no worry, no doubt. And also there's no faith. Huh? There's, there's no faith. If you ask, it kind of looked at me funny. It's like kind of looked at your phone funny or the device that you're listening to us. What do you mean there's no faith? Do you know what faith is? Belief in things unseen. In heaven, we're going to see God. We're not going to have faith because he's there. We're going to be with him. We have faith today because we hadn't seen him yet. We believe that he's there. We believe that he's right here, right now with us, waiting for us. Is he waiting for you this now, this morning? Do you need to come back to him? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation? <laughs>